You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 133 of the MXU podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom, and today I'm actually hosting by myself. So as you heard last time, Jay is finishing up the Johnny Swim Christmas Tour. They're actually wrapping up this weekend. So he's up to his eyeballs in all kinds of details, trying to get them packed up and off the road so they can all be home with their families for Christmas. And Lee is doing the same thing as well. He wrapped up with the Hillsong United Tour and is home focusing on his kids. And so you're stuck with me this week, but that's okay. Um, It's our last episode of the year and it's the week of Christmas. So first of all, Merry Christmas. I hope you are able to do what we said a couple episodes ago and really focus on time with your family and time that you can sort of be kind of head up from your console or your rehearsal schedule or your cue sheets and really focus on what we're about this Christmas, which is really focusing on the reason we do this and focusing on our families. Um, And maybe you've seen the Advent posts that we've done over the last few weeks. I hope that you've had a chance to reflect a little bit and think about the hope that we have and the peace that Jesus brings and the joy that we have this season and the love that comes from our relationship with Christ, because that's the whole point of this season to begin with. So hope that you kind of gleaned some uh, insight from those and could share those with your team and kind of rally around those ideas beyond just the hustle and bustle and the busyness of Christmas services and run sheets and all that. But if you're like me, there are times when we procrastinate a little bit or this time of year, you know, we all go all out for our Christmas services. We get it. There can be lots of last minute changes and changes mean needs for additional gear. So if I mean, it's the week of Christmas, but if you don't already have a local option for procuring what you need, consider reaching out to our friends at MikeRentals.com. Yep, even this close to Christmas, they still have options. Whether it's an additional wireless mic or some in-ears or choir mics for your kids' choir or an adult choir that you're adding for your Christmas services, they may still have great options left to help you finish out the year. Now, you got to keep an eye on them in 2023 because they're going to continue to grow their selection of microphones and wireless rentals to be able to satisfy your curiosity. As always, if you call them, don't forget to use the promo code MXU15 to get 15% off your order. Okay, so since it's the last episode of the year, I thought it would be just helpful for me and instructive maybe for you and for all of us to just kind of look back and thank some people, express some gratitude, and do kind of a year in review, just to remind us of how much we have to be grateful for. So first of all, I have to say that we could not do what we do without our integrator partners. You know, our very first MXU event in 2016 was sponsored by Summit Integrated, and they were the first ones who said, you know what, we love what you guys are about. We're going to help you try to see if this thing can actually be a thing. And so each of our live events from that point forward was sponsored by one of our partners. So I just want to send a special shout out to our friends at Summit Integrated, Skylark, Amplio, and IPS. You guys, you get the heart behind what we do at MXU, and we love partnering with you as you partner with churches to help them get their integration needs sorted. So whether it's a full-blown project or a renovation or a box sale, these are the guys that we 
trust that you can partner with and have huge success. So thank you guys. Also, our manufacturer partners, I mean, we couldn't do what we do without you guys. And there are too many to name, so I'm not going to list them all. But you know, we talk about them all the time. If you hear us talk about one of our manufacturer friends on the podcast, they are trusted resources for all that you need. So thank you to all of you guys. You know, we talk about church gear a lot too, and we're excited about what they're doing. So if you're interested in pre-owned church gear, you have a need, or if you have gear that you need to get rid of, remember churchgear.com because they can take care of all that stuff as well. So let's take a few minutes and just remember. You know, I think the Bible talks a lot about gratitude and remembering and God's faithfulness. And, you know, it's sometimes difficult to always see it kind of in the moment. Um, But I've been struck lately personally with just how much I have to be grateful for. Um, Obviously, we're in a season of gratitude between Thanksgiving and Christmas and just being grateful for what God did for us through Jesus. You know, we're we're called to remember. And so um, in the times that we sort of get lost in the shuffle or get caught up in the doing of stuff, I just want to take some time to reflect on what we are so grateful for. So the first thing is actually about a year ago, um, our team started talking about moving our headquarters from California to Knoxville. And so it was last January, February, March, where all of our team basically picked up and moved to an unknown city in a new area of the country. All these guys had been from California before, and they just said, you know what, we're going to pick up and move. So Spencer and the team, our developers, our marketing team, everybody moved to Knoxville, and it was a big risk. But you know what, they found out right away that it was a great move. Everybody felt right at home right away. So we were able to hire new people and add to the team. We've, as you know, we've renovated a uh, a building in an office park that has turned into MXUHQ, and we couldn't be more excited about that. Um, but that move, just the the risk that the guys were willing to take, um, was a big deal. I mean, it was a huge step for us as an organization, and I think God has honored their obedience, and I think it's been great. Um, the MXU experience itself in the app has gotten so much richer. I just, I'm so grateful for the things that we were able to add to the MXU platform. Uh, the biggest one earlier in the year was assignments. So for you as a production leader to be able to assign playlists and videos to your team and keep track of their progress and you know just make sure that everybody is learning the same things at the same time that they need to and bringing on new volunteers with tools that can help them get up to speed quickly has just been such a valuable piece of the MXU experience. You know, we're really focused on making it more than just Netflix for production. You've heard me say that before. We want it to be the place that you go for recruiting, training, and retaining all of your volunteer teams. And we have a lot of stuff to come in the next year to make that an even richer experience. But I'm so grateful that things like assignments were able to make their way into the experience in 2022 because that lays the groundwork for so much more. I mentioned HQ a minute ago. Um, The renovation that we experienced over the summer was able to bring to life a lot of what we've been dreaming about that that facility could be. So over the summer, we basically 
created our office spaces in the front section of the facility. And then the warehouse in the back became a black box church production experience. So that's where we're going to be recording all of our video content for the app. But it's also enabled us to do things like workshops. So workshops is the next thing that I'm super excited about. Um, We went to South Africa and hosted our first international workshop, which was amazing. We had two days in Pretoria with our friends at Stage Audio Works. And we had 300 people experience MXU training in an in-person setting that would not have been possible without making the trip down there. So we're so grateful for that. And then our HQ workshops were a huge success. You heard us talk about it before, but we had four days of audio, video, and lighting workshops. So I'm just grateful for the folks who took a risk and came to HQ to experience what we had to offer. I'm grateful to our team internally for all the work that it took to host everyone and to just present MXU in such a great way. So Thank you to everybody on both sides of that equation because it really served as a great proof of concept for us to know that these workshops are something that we must do moving forward. So 2023 is going to um, have a lot to offer in terms of in-person training at HQ, and I could not be more excited. And then the MXU tour happened in September. And for those of you who are new to all this, we went to Atlanta, Chicago, and Dallas and did three live events. It was an all-day training for entire teams, so production folks and worship teams, to figure out how to program and execute a worship service, kind of in real time. It was amazing. We had 2,000 people or so that were engaged with us in person, and so for the churches that hosted us and the people who came, it was just, it was an awesome experience. And then finally, we added to our network of podcasts. So you guys listen to the MXU podcast, obviously, but we also added a video podcast and a lighting podcast. And for those of you who've engaged with those, I know that you've enjoyed learning some of the more sort of technical um, aspects of each discipline. So we're going to keep doing that. And uh, it's, it's just a great way for you and your team to get down and dirty with the details of each discipline. So if you're not a subscriber to those podcasts, you can find them wherever you find this podcast, and we hope that you'll just add it to your library because it is really, really great. So we're also excited for 2023. Now, I can't give away too many secrets. Um, The guys would get upset with me if I let too many details out of the bag, but there are a few things that I'm very excited about. You know, our development team is continuing to add new features to the MXU experience online. And I just got to say, I mean, the first half of 2023 is going to blow your mind with what's coming. So I can't really give you all the details, like I said, but stick with us. If you're not an MXU subscriber, as your new budget comes in in January, if that's the way your fiscal calendar works, I'm telling you, MXU should be one of your first purchases because the experience is great and it's only getting better. We're also adding another podcast to our library. So in January, we are launching officially, I can let this out of the bag for sure. In January, the MXU Worship Podcast, hosted by Stephen Brewster, is going to be up and running. So we're going to release the first few episodes as a batch, and then every other week or so, there'll be a new episode. Stephen is doing an incredible job interviewing worship leaders that you've heard of and some that you haven't heard of, and the conversations are 
great. So we can't wait for you to uh, interact with that and subscribe and tell all your friends about the MXU Worship Podcast. And of course, we need to talk about in-person events. We get questions all the time about what are you doing next year for live events? So just know that we do have a plan. And very soon, we will be able to tell you details about MXU Live for 2023. So stay tuned. We're working on a great experience, and we're just trying to finalize a few details. But just know that tickets will go on sale earlier this year than they have in the past, and you'll have plenty of time to spread the word, get your budget stuff together, get your team excited about it, and all that, because it is an experience that you will not want to miss. Well, thank you for giving me a few minutes to just reflect on 2022 and just express my gratitude and to be excited about 2023. I think a new year is always something to be resolved about. And uh, we're just excited. So thank you again for your partnership with us. Uh, But we need to get to our interview today. I'm really excited about this conversation. I was able to sit down with the leadership of my production team at my church. You know, we've heard a lot lately from smaller churches asking us about sort of tips for how to manage their team and what do we do if we're growing and are wanting to get to the point where we might start a new campus or expand. So the guys from Grace Church in Greenville, South Carolina are experts in that because that was their story. That was their journey. So we're going to hear from Matt Kelly and Corey Miller from my church, and I'm really excited about it. So let's get to it. Well, I am so excited today to be talking to some of the team from my home church. So this is a little bit different today because I get to interview two guys who help shape the culture and the vision for what our production team does at Grace Church here in Greenville, South Carolina. So I'm joined by Corey Miller, who's our production director, and Matt Kelly, who's a part of the leadership team, has been worship pastor, leads kind of a lot of the staff in their roles, and has been around for a really long time as part of Grace. And so, guys, welcome to yeah. the MXU podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah. So I'd love to just start by, because the reason I wanted to talk to you guys is because we we have a lot of variety in terms of guests on our show. And we have a lot of big-time mixers. We have a lot of folks from big-time tours and big-time churches. And what I love about Grace Church is that even though it's a big church, it's, in a lot of ways, the big church in the Southeast that nobody's ever heard of. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that that's partially intentional. And so, because when I first started getting involved, I, I always referred to Grace as kind of a just a local small church, Mm because that's how it feels. Um, But I know it's pretty strategic. We have a lot of people who listen who are from small churches. So I think a lot of what you guys have done to shape the culture here and to strategically develop campuses could be really instructive for people from smaller churches who are growing, who want to influence their community, who maybe want to expand, to do those things in really right and wise ways. So I'd love to start by just getting a little bit of the story. I know it's a 20-plus year history of Grace (laughs) Church, and Matt, you've been here the whole time. Been here a long time, yeah. (laughs) But um, we don't need to go down the whole history, but just give us a 20,000-foot view of how Grace got to where it is today. 
Yeah. Um, so we started in 95. Um, it started by uh, Matt Williams, who um, Matt and Vicky had gone to Clemson, and which is just up the road. They um, went to Dallas Theological and then came back to Greenville, where Greek, uh, Vicky was originally from. Um, started with just a core group to, we wanted to teach the Bible, sing songs that we wanted to sing, and do life in community and community groups. And in 95 in Greenville, that was a pretty novel. It was a, it was a different change from yeah. a traditional area. Because most of the churches in the area at the time were First Pres, First Baptist, First United Methodist, Correct. very mainline, denominational, not a whole lot of modern worship going on, not a whole lot no. of, quote, community church at not all. Not at all. Yeah. No, it was very different. And um, we did that for a long time, uh, packed in and packed out for five years. Um, so, okay, so for anybody who's doing the load-in, load-out thing every mm-hmm. week, just yeah. know that a lot of folks around here know, know how you feel because you did it for five years straight. We, we did it for five years. In various environments. It wasn't always the same place. It was not. We, we, were, we were at a hotel downtown. We were at a school. We were at a YMCA. We were a little bit of everywhere um, until um, a church called Metropolitan Baptist Church uh, gave us their building in five acres. And the elders, uh, one of the elders had started coming to our church, and they worked through a process, and them to give it to us. And that's where we're sitting now is on that property. It is. We are still here. Um, it is our largest campus, um, but it was, it was given to us, and um, we wore that building out. <laughs> that's yeah. what we did from there. So the original building, you outgrew that, and it's, it's still being used, but it's not used as, a, as the main worship center. So you've built Correct. other buildings over the years, and now... This campus on Pelham Road is kind of the largest campus. It's where the staff is based. But now the community has expanded to other campuses all across the upstate of South Carolina. Yes. So how did that look when it came time to, okay, decide we're not just going to keep building and building. We want to do a campus model instead. Well, what had happened is we we had outgrown what is now the student center, which was the building given to us. We built a worship center that sat about 8.50. Um, we were having multiple services, lots of people coming from all over the area, different, different communities coming to this church. And so um, we had a decision to make. We had a plan that would knock out the back wall and add another 1,000 seats, and we had a 2,000-square-foot room. We just didn't feel like that was what we were supposed to do, was just build a big room. Yeah. And um, at the same time, had people that were core to who we are um, driving from out of their community 25 minutes away to our new location. And they would be at football games with people on Friday night and be like, hey, why don't you come to church with me? And, and then, it's a half hour away. And the people would find out where it is, and they're like, I don't want to drive out of my community. Yeah. And so we were like, well, what are we going to do? Can we – What we, we were like, we've heard of this thing called multi-site or video teaching. We weren't even sure what it was because it was 2006, 2007. Yeah. Pretty much brand new. I mean, it was very few people were doing it at the time. So rather than just sort of doing a church plant with a, a senior leader who was going to be the, the teaching pastor and lead the team and all that, rather than being a separate church, it really, the model is it is a separate church, but it's under the banner and it's a, it's a campus of mm-hmm. Grace Church because video teaching is a big part of what happens on Sunday. So all campuses receive the teaching via video, but the each each has a campus pastor who really is a leader. I mean, it's it's not just rinse and repeat what's happening here. That's right. It's, it's locally led. It is. And locally worship led. It is. 
and you know the staff is local like there there's a lot of things about those campuses that make them feel like local churches they just happen to get the video teaching from here that's correct yeah that is correct so that's a strategic thing that is probably helpful for some people that it's just it's a choice that grace made and i think it's been really successful Mm -hmm. um so now there are 10 campuses total yes 10 campuses which is probably crazy for you to think about (laughs) it's very different than what we didn't think that's what we were going to do yeah it's very different than what we planned we really to be honest with you we wanted to disciple the people that god had brought to us that was that's that's and that's who we are still yeah we it was never a we're going to put a campus in this community and hopefully people will come. It was always people that were driving out of their community to Pelham Road saying, I sure would love to have this where I go to the grocery store with people. Yeah. And that's how it, so we, we launched all of our campuses with like at least 50 to 100 people that were already living there um, coming to another one of our campuses. We yeah. never had one that nobody was coming to our campus. Yeah. So it wasn't like if you build it, they will come. Not a bit. It was... If there's a need that people have because they're coming too far, then we're going to meet them where they are. That's correct. And I think that's part of the strategy of the whole ministry that I'm that I really resonate with, um, because it's so focused on what's happening in each local community. That's right. From from serving to community partnerships to the church itself to how the church buildings partner with people who are in the neighborhood, other mm-hmm. businesses, and you know. We, we fully support the Quick Drip gas station that's right beside our church on <laughs> Sundays because it is, everybody it is a part of us. <laughs> all the students get snacks and drinks and whatever. Right. But anyway, it's so there are some strategic ways in which that philosophy has impacted production yeah. specifically. Right. So, Corey, let's talk for a few minutes about that because, you know, some churches who do multi site, their quote broadcast campus is like the sort of flagship yeah. where all the flash and trash and moving lights and big PA and all that stuff happens. And then the satellites are just sort of the forgotten stepchildren and they just kind of, but that's not the way it is with grace in terms of strategy. So talk talk for a few minutes about how that works. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, very common um, misconception of multi-site is that, um, you know, since it's multi-site, it's high production and it's, you know, all the things you mentioned there, but um, um, we've, We've really adopted a model that has allowed us to incorporate our people in the same way we're trying to equip our people to um, go out and do the work of um, the gospel in our communities. We, we want to, in the same way, have that same level of ownership of pulling off our weekend services. So we want to make sure that as we're, as we're making decisions on the gear we're buying or the way that we're recording something or um, you know, even just something as simple as purchasing a, a light console, we're, we're making very strategic decisions that we don't put ourselves in a position where we have to have some seasoned engineer in that position in order for that to, to function on the weekend for our services. So, yeah. um, yeah, so very strategic about um, making sure that any equipment we get, um, anything that we are doing in terms of process or strategy with, with production is, is, is really just first and foremost. I mean, the guiding principle that's number one for us in making all those decisions is just people first and making sure that we are kind of coming alongside the ministry that's happening in our church and supporting that in a way that allows us to still incorporate the volunteers um, without having to have a staff person at a console every week, yeah. um, making that happen. So those of you who listen to the podcast regularly have heard me talk about serving here at my church and mixing on M32. Yeah. You know, a lot of the gear is standardized across not just campuses, but environments within campuses yeah. so that because it's so 
reliant on volunteers. I mean, everybody on stage is a volunteer and everybody behind a piece of equipment is a volunteer, except for very few exceptions. You know, you may have a staff worship leader on stage. You may have a, a staff person who's actually volunteering to video direct, but mm -hmm. they're not a full-time video director. Yeah. Um, so, you know, M32 at front of house, M32 in the student center, M32 at the other campuses. Like yep. that, that's just a mindset that y'all have gotten into over the years that really works because it really does help support people who aren't vocational in their pursuit of production. Yeah. You know, we talk about it all the time. The guy who owns a muffler shop on yep. Monday through Friday comes here and serves on a weekend and he can do that because we've set up systems and set up um, consistency across systems and across gear platforms that make it, you know, the training applies to everybody. So sure. I think that's so helpful for people to hear that a big church is concerned about that philosophically. And, you know, I got to be honest, one of the things that kind of hampered my experience when we first started coming as a family was that I walked in and the teaching is great. The people are great. The friendliness is palpable. It's like, this is awesome. What's going on with production? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I came from an environment, and a lot of people know, you know, I came from the most excellent professional level, touring level, well-executed environments that you could ever want from a church. And so that's just where I cut my teeth and where we sort of started as a family. And so it was hard for me to get used to, okay, there aren't, there actually aren't any moving lights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, they really don't care much about lighting at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the band is pretty good, but it's not the band that I came from, you know, and it, once I got in and once I understood the philosophy, it was a lot easier to support and advocate for that philosophy mm -hmm. because I see what it's doing to people yeah. mm -hmm. in, in terms of how they're able to serve and how they're able to get plugged in. But um, how much of it was sort of a, an exercise in restraint and how much mm -hmm. of it was a challenge like starting out? Because as people start coming and as, as you get a little more traction and it's like, man, we've got, we've got, 500, 600, 800, 1,000 people who are part of our church, as that growth happens, it's probably hard to resist the temptation to make it flashy and make it, like, was that always a core principle or was that a decision at some point or how did that, how did that come about? Yeah, I would say probably one of the core principles that we have always had is we believe people can be discipled well by serving and giving their life away. Mm. Okay, hold on, let's... Can you, can you say that again? <laughs> that we believe people can be discipled well by serving and giving their life away. Okay, so, because this is what I wanted to talk about a lot today, is how serving in production, how being a volunteer in production is actually an act of discipleship, an act of worship, a spiritual discipline. Because it's not just, hey, I think this technology is cool and I want to twist knobs and push faders. This is actually a spiritual discipline just yes. as much as prayer and community and Bible reading is. Right. Serving is what we need to make available to people so that they can be discipled. That's so, right. So talk more about that. So um, I, I would say it like this. I we, we want the ability to use the people that God has entrusted to us in the moment. People have different gifts. They have different skills. Um, they honor God by using those for people. 
And we want to utilize them and it disciples them and it helps serve the church. And so that's, all, that's been a philosophy with our worship. That's been a philosophy with our AV. It doesn't mean that there are times when we have to say, hey, you're not good enough for this. The parking team really could yeah, use you. Yeah, man, you're, you're, you're great at wearing that vest. Um, so yeah, we, we have had to say that, We've, and that, that is part of who we are too. But at the same time, we really, really believe in if you give your life away, God uses that to disciple you personally. Your time, you, you, I mean, time is one of your most valuable resources. And so if you're willing to give up your time to serve other people and put yourself out there, I think God honors that. And that's been a very core thing to who we are, whether it be serving in children's or students or worship or production. Um, it's been a part of who we are. I mean, in Multisod, it explained it in one way. We had a guy here that was really talented. He came to Pelham for three years. When we started our campus in Spartanburg, um, he ran our AV team at the very beginning. And I went to him one day and I was like, hey, why did you not do this at Pelham? And he was like, you didn't need me. Mm. Pelham was good. Interesting. I, you, y'all were running it fine, so y'all didn't need me. But when you started Spartanburg, I saw that there was a chance for me to step up and lead. And I, that stuck with me that I was like, okay, no, we have hampered him because he thinks we've got it covered. And um, it just was a benefit of us doing multi-site for yeah. him. That's cool. Yeah. Corey, anything you would add to that just in terms of, because you're, you're actually responsible for the people who are serving in those roles. So yeah. anything you would add? Yeah, there, I mean, the, in terms of an organizational structure, we've got a handful of staff that do help. Um, you know, they're actually um, spread out across a couple campus. You know, one person, we don't necessarily have one person for each campus or even, you know, multiple people for most campuses in most cases. Um, a few of our larger campuses do have some dedicated staff, but there's, uh, for the most part, we're, our staff who are here serving on staff, um, they're, they're basically just a resource to the people. They're not necessarily the... Um, Again, something you see very common with larger churches where you've got a, a certain specialist that does the one thing, and that's what they do on Sunday morning. And, um, you know, that's you know, certainly there are production environments that require that. Um, one of the benefits to having the model that Matt just mentioned is it doesn't really require that. We're able to utilize volunteers in a way, and our staff just come alongside them. Um, so it's, it's been a, a good constant reminder to our folks. And again, just going back to that guiding principle of people first, it's so easy to get caught up in, you know, we enjoy the tech stuff. We enjoy we enjoy sitting down and running tracks and you know getting better ourselves. But you know we're our our responsibility here is not necessarily to go and be a, um, a high executor on a piece of gear. Our our job is to go and uh, just resource the volunteers and the staff, come alongside them and the work that they're doing, um, and just uh, be a resource to them. So that's been just a a constant reminder to us, especially someone like me who's more gear oriented. I, I mean, I love all that stuff, but I I need that reminder. Um, you know, it doesn't really matter what level of technical competency I rise to. That's useless without the people. Yeah, um, that's good. Not only the people that we're we're trying to um, you know equip, and people are just showing up for weekend services, but also those people that we're shoulder to shoulder with, you know, trying to pull off a, a weekend service or a retreat or or an, or an event, something like that. So, um, you know, without those folks, I mean, I can have all the knowledge in the world, but it's just a it's a waste of the it's a waste of that time if I'm not um, taking that time and sharing that, pouring into other people. And um, you know, just helping to do whatever I can to help make them better, and that goes for all of our all of our staff. And that's awesome. Hmm. So, um, just just so everybody's clear, the people who are production staff, AV staff, sure. they're tasked with supporting campuses, supporting systems, integrating new gear. Like anytime there is a, an upgrade or a yeah. you know a, a new piece that needs to go in, 
they're sent out from here for the most part to support those campuses, but everything is volunteer run on a, on a weekend yeah. or a special event. Yeah. That's great. Um, you know, here in Greenville, I mean, we're halfway between Charlotte and Atlanta. And so over the years, in the early years, you know, for people who live in the Southeast, you'll recognize these names. You've got North Point uh-huh. just slamming, going strong uh-huh. through the early 2000s. You've got New Spring that's literally just down the street. Uh-huh. You've got Elevation, uh-huh. and you're in the middle of all that <laughs> and all of their growth. Yeah. So how much, how much did you have to just sort of say, no, we've got blinders on, this is our mission, this is what we're doing, and how tempting was it to just kind of go, yeah, but look at those guys. Because there are a lot of people who listen to this who will think, man, that's really cool. I agree with you. But there's this guy down the street who is doing all this whiz-bang stuff, and I don't feel like I'm doing enough. You know, like, shouldn't we be doing that stuff yeah. since they're doing it and it seems to be working? Yeah. Like, What would you say as a way of encouragement to those guys? Because you guys probably fought with that to some degree. You know, we we did a little bit early Not, bl- not blinders on, but no, head no. down. We got work to do. I'm not going to be distracted. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are times when I've led worship and I'd be like, man, I wish my ears could get right. Or, man, I, I can't hear the bass. I mean, there are those times. But then I have to think back to we have been ruthless about these are the people that God had brought to us. And this is what we are doing. And this is what we're focused on. And that has been... Um, that has been the core of who we are. And um, I, that's not been, that makes other things not complicated because it's real easy to look outside, but if then, then you're like, oh, well, these are the 300 people that are in the room with me today. These are the people that we're doing this. This is the local church that God has put together in this room. I don't need to be thinking about other stuff. I need to be thinking about these people. That's good. Yeah. So it's, and, and we are true. We are, we're local church people, that, which is, I mean, so even multi-site. Multi-site is about... Local congregations. It's all about that. Yeah. Well, so. this is the this is the one church I can think of who started doing an online experience during COVID and then turned it off. Yeah. <laughs> Most churches who yeah. came back from COVID were thinking, how can we keep our online thing going because that was pretty successful or we think we got some stuff figured out and we, we don't want to have to dial that back. And you guys were like, turn it off. Yeah, well, we're in the room, people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we re- we really are, and we believe in we believe in gathering together. Um, and um, even though we do have um, teaching, we do share the video teaching resource. That group in um, Anderson, that group is together in the room. They are the local church, the local body working out. Right. And so we just we're we're believers in the local church, man. Yeah, we are. I love it. So this has been super helpful so far. So there's a couple other things we need to touch on, and it may lead us down another rabbit trail or two. Um, This is hard for me to say, and it's been hard for me to actually believe because I love impactful mixes. I love audio that's just awesome. The fact is... 95% 95% of the people in the room don't know the difference. Yep. <laughs> right? They, they know when it's distracting. They know when sure. it's not feeling right. They know when it's like if there's something that's just obviously broken, they'll be able to say. But most of the people don't know the difference between this EQ or that EQ on a snare drum or 
this tone or that tone in electric guitar. So I, I use those as qualifiers to say, I'm not saying that excellence doesn't matter because I think we all need to strive to be as excellent and well, you know, make our stuff as well executed as, as it can be. But gear does not need to be a barrier for somebody to get involved. In other words, I don't want to have a console that's so complicated that I can't teach a volunteer how to do it. Yeah. I don't want to have a, a lighting desk or a switcher or a route, whatever the, whatever the thing is, I don't want it to be a barrier of entry for people. And that's, that's what I hear you guys saying more than anything. Yeah. But what else would you say to the small church folks who think we're supposed to be better than we are or bigger than we are? Um, I think just from the, the tech perspective, I mean, just, uh, just to simplify our systems, like you were just mentioning, just simplifying those systems as much as possible, making it to where it's easy for someone to get in the room, get something up and going. Like, and, and what you mentioned there about, you know, most of the folks aren't going to really know the difference between this or that. Um, that's, that it, that's just been one of the, the driving decisions for us in, t- in terms of utilizing those volunteers as much as possible. Yes, it would sound better if you were mixing a Sunday morning versus a plumber. Um, but you know, the, the idea that that guy can come in, contribute in a, in a really specific way, um, carry some ownership in some way to what we're doing, um, have a certain level of responsibility for pulling that off. Um, you know, that, that's just a, that's a far more, uh, valuable win for us in the long run. Um, whenever it comes to having someone who's a part of our church and plugged into what we're doing and serving our community. And, um, you know, that, that wouldn't be possible if we didn't simplify our systems to a point to where he could walk in and not be intimidated by messing something up or, you know making any changes to what's happening. So yeah. so we've said this before on the podcast. I think it is important for somebody to be able to set up the systems in such a way that a volunteer can come yeah. in and be successful. Mm-hmm. So those can be fairly complicated yeah. behind the behind the scenes, mm-hmm. sort of behind the firewall, if you mm-hmm. will. Yeah. But I want to have a console file that's good enough and well-developed enough that a volunteer can come up and just push faders and have success. Yeah. So, in fact, we're in the middle of a console upgrade now at this campus. We've decided, you know, and this came about because we were literally out of I.O. We had to expand from the capabilities of the M32. So we're moving toward the Waves LV1 mixer, and I'm actually integrating that as we speak. And so the last couple of days, we've basically unplugged all the patching and redid the racks and all that. But in the process of creating the show file that we're working on this week, one of my main considerations is how is Tommy or Spencer or Leroy going to be able to walk up to this desk and feel like they're confident enough to make a great Sunday happen, even if they don't know everything about every plug-in or everything about the routing or everything about what's happening in the background, could they come and just push faders and be successful? And it's funny because... Being a leader who's developing that, having to think about this in that way, challenges your thinking about how you approach your mix. It's been a a great exercise for me. So if you're a leader out there who is managing volunteers, I would say make that a challenge for yourself in this coming year. It's like, is there anything in this next season that I could do to simplify our process for volunteers? Not that we necessarily take away things that are happening in the background, but how can we make those kind of invisible or transparent to the volunteers so that they don't have to know everything that's going on in order to be successful? Yeah. I think that's 
That's cool. And if you're a small church and you don't necessarily have the right person to be able to create those systems, that's something that I would say would be worth finding outside help. Yeah. You know, find somebody who can partner with you who does know all that stuff, who can make things simpler for your volunteers. You know, at MXU this year, we're going to be focusing on helping church teams build volunteers better. So whether that's in your onboarding or your training or your retention, our goal is to help you make them a part of a great team. Yeah. So, you know, we're focusing on that in MXU. So if you're not an MXU subscriber, maybe that's a first step. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's right. But because Grace Church, actually, you guys have been subscribers for a couple of years now, and sure. I feel like the the level of our teams have gotten better absolutely, because of their exposure to MXU. This is not an MXU commercial, but I'm just saying mm-hmm. there are tools that you can utilize to, to get better with your volunteers. So right. um, what else? What else are we missing? I will say this, and um, this is unique to us. Some of our best leadership moments in our rooms have been when our AV has failed. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is um, we've had times where your teaching has cut off, or um, uh, we've had our, our power has shut down before completely. Like power and from the street. Power from the yeah. street has completely yeah. shut down. And in the moment, it has given the campus pastor, whoever's hosting that day, a moment to get up and lead the room and say, hey, listen, we, we realize we're super reliant on audiovisual stuff and just give us a couple minutes. Everything's fine. We're good, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna work it out. And it's interesting how what that has done is created. It's let people see how, that we are reliant heavily on audiovisual every week. And these volu- and, and and there's been times where I've said we got tons of volunteers out here back there. These people are gonna fix your problem. <laughs> They're working on it. Believe me, faster than you even want to know because they know that this thing's time critical. But it's been interesting how. The room and AV plays this really interesting, they have this really interesting dance together. Yeah. And we've, we love playing both sides of it. Mm-hmm. We love playing uh, the side where you walk in and, and you don't even know that the AV team's there. And then we love playing the side where, oh, we had a, be- a big glitch. We want to acknowledge that we have volunteers running this in this moment. And that's not to call people out in a no. bad way. That's just no. to not apologize for the fact that sometimes things go wrong and we're okay with it. Absolutely. Right. It's it's not like you're getting a dirty look from the person on stage because something's happening. It's like, we're just going to call it out and, you know, acknowledge the elephant in the room and it's okay. No, it's, it's been interesting. There've been times where they, as soon as the video started, um, they all start clapping for the AV team. (laughs) They're like, Hey, y'all got it back. We're working again. And so it's, we're, we're just trying to, we're doing, like I said, we're doing stuff in the room together. It's interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Your point about um, not knowing who's in the room, it's always interesting for me, and my wife's always a good sounding board for me. She is musical. She can sing. She plays piano and all this stuff. But the days that I would come home and I would feel like we nailed it, we nailed it musically, she'd be like, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> and then I was like, okay. And then the weeks where I just knew we had tons of mess ups and stuff was screwed up and uh, ears were off and we had people muted at the wrong times and all that. And she would come in and be like, Matt, today the service was unreal. Wow. And I was like, babe, were you in the service? I was in. <laughs> Did we go to the same one? But it just shows how her perspective of what worship was that day is very different than what I am feeling on stage or being responsible or being a part of the AV team a lot of times. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's a good word. Mm-hmm. And I think, 
no matter what's happening, there's going to be something, if, if you're paying attention, and I, I, I've been really convicted by this lately, and I need to make sure we say it more often. If you're serving behind a piece of gear and you're not moved or touched mm-hmm. or inspired by something that happens during a service, you're paying attention to the wrong things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I get it that we've got tasks and we've got buttons and we've got cue sheets and all that stuff, but we have to engage in a way that helps us be available for moments like what Lee Allison is experiencing. Mm-hmm. So that when you come <laughs> home and your wife says, that was an incredible service, you can say, you know what? I thought so too because right. whatever. Right. And you have an answer for that because if, if we're not being moved spiritually, emotionally, if we're not being called to take a step in our faith just like the people sitting in the seats are, yeah. then why are we doing it? Yes. Right? Because right. we need to experience what God has for us in those moments too and not just what the console might have for us in that right. moment. Right. And that's just such a great reminder. And I think, you know, to have a volunteer who's experiencing worship through serving through technology, I mean, that, that to me is like a triple win. It is. Right? It is. Not only are they a volunteer, but they're a volunteer who's serving, and they're serving through something that they're interested in. That's totally right. And we have, we have a couple sound guys that are legit worshipers. They are. And I love when there are times I get to lead and I see them in the back, and they've got one hand on the console, and they've got one hand raised. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh, man. He's in, he's in the room with us. Except when you need to monitor change. Yeah, I'm like, could you, could you put that other hand down for one <laughs> yeah. second? Yeah. <laughs> Just give me one second. That's so, funny. Yeah. So, Corey, what, is that, um, what does volunteer recruitment look like in terms of just some of this, in terms of process? Like, how does this show up for a, for a volunteer-based ministry, maybe a smaller church, maybe at the campus level for, for us at Grace? You know, what does onboarding and volunteer recruitment look like yeah um yeah one thing that kind of stands out for us i mean it just we're not necessarily um the people in our area who are looking for a big production experience they're not coming here um they're going to some other churches in the area and and we totally understand that so usually for us it just starts with a with a simple ask you know just i'm in community group with someone one weekend and i I noticed they're not they're not really serving anywhere maybe they mentioned they're looking for places to get plugged in and just finding a way to um uh, have them come in, maybe shadow someone running slides one week or someone running lights one week. Um, just kind of let them get a, a taste of what sort of things there might be. And sometimes they'll they'll see one thing that sort of sticks out and they would love to kind of know a little more about. And we'll just spend some time um, working with them, having them shadow for a, a period of, of time and then have them run a little bit uh, in a rehearsal environment a little bit and kind of just give them some reps there. Um, maybe start them out in a student ministry environment or something like that where, um, you know, not, not quite as many eyes on them there, and um, just help them to build some confidence over time. And then, um, again, just along the way, just making sure that we're um, just staying staying in community with them, checking in with them, making sure that um, we're not just putting someone to work and then leaving them alone. Um, but just, um, you know, some of the most encouraging times that I see, just at the campus that my family and I attend, um, the, the the young man who on our staff who who's in, takes care of that campus for us, he, he does just an incredible job of just sitting back there, with some of our volunteers uh, in between services and just giving a couple notes maybe, but also just finding out about the week and um, just chatting and um, you know, just walking by and just kind of hearing those conversations are some of the most encouraging times that, uh, that I have in my week, just knowing that he's, he's going out of his way to really just, just know the people and to care for them and, uh, and they know him and uh, that, that establishes a, a real unique bond to trust over time. And, um, 
and that's just been um, that's just been a really cool thing for us to see kind of play out, um, especially with a lot of our younger staff. Um, you know, we're we're not um, we're usually are bringing in folks from an internship or maybe a residency type position, you know, onto our staff. So they're young, they're inexperienced. Um, they they want to work with tech because they don't want to work with people. But then we we challenge them over time to just spend more and more time with those people, and they start to see the benefit of that. And that just that's just an extension of the the, the mission and vision of what we're trying to do as a church. Um, and that's just really encouraging to see that kind of play out. Um, I love that, and I think. Mm-hmm. The, the biggest takeaway for me from all that you just said is, especially for a small church, I mean, but for everybody, it's important to make it personal yeah. and to take it personally. But I think for a small church who struggles, I think making it personal is the shift in your mindset that you might need to have is a one-on-one personal interaction is going to be way better than a bulletin announcement or a, a slide in a a pre-service you know, walk-in look. It's like the more personal you can make it, the more invested a person will be and the more you can communicate vision like this is part of your personal ministry and discipleship and you know spiritual disciplines. Right. I mean, reinforcing all those things is just, it's a key component. It's not just, hey, sign up because we've got cool toys. Right, yeah. Well, guys, this has been really nice for me to hear just some of the history and reinforcing the vision. I know for a lot of our listeners, it's going to be an encouragement too. So thank you guys both for your time today. Thank you, Jeff. Thank it's, you. it's awesome to be a part of this church and I need to get back to building my show files so that <laughs> our volunteers go. can use a new console this weekend. That's right. But thanks again for being a part of this. And uh, we're just thrilled to be partnered with you guys as the local church and can't wait to see what God continues to do in the upstate of South Carolina. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you.